Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken not from the book of Micah, between now and the time that that I set that, I found a better one to read. And so if you would turn into the New Testament to 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and the sixth, begin with the sixth verse, you would find these words written. Paul is speaking and he is saying, Remember this, the man who plants few seeds will have a small crop. The one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. Each one of you should give uh, then as he has decided not with regret or out of a sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. And God is able to give you more than you need, so that you will always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. As the scripture says, he gives generously to the poor. His kindness lasts forever. And God who supplies the seed for the sower and bread to eat will also supply you with all the seed you need and make it grow to produce a rich harvest from your generosity. He will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times so that you may, so that many will thank God for your gifts through us. For this service you perform not only meets the needs of God's people, but also produces an outpouring of grateful thanks to God. And because of the proof which is, which this service of yours brings, Many will give glory to God for your loyalty to the gospel of Christ, which you profess, and for your generosity in sharing with them and all others. And so they will pray for you with great affection, for you because of the extraordinary grace of God has shown you. Let us thank God for his priceless gift. Well, let us thank God for his priceless gift. Now, this is Thanksgiving week, and it's time for us to wish one another a good and happy Thanksgiving. And so at this time, do it right now. Go right ahead, turn to your neighbor, and wish them a happy Thanksgiving. quite sure that all of us feel better. And you know, this is a time of year that we think about Thanksgiving, we think about those, well, I suppose between now and Christmas, it's the time that most of us have our greatest and our most warm feelings toward the past and the present and our hope for the future. It is here that things have taken place uh, through the years and over a period of time that is very, very meaningful to us. As the time when we think about uh, 
sharing with, uh, with one another. Uh, we think about the good times and the bad times that have been shared together and how it brings us closer together. And we think in terms of, well, what can we do for one another in order that something of our appreciation, our respect, and love can be communicated, whether it be at the level, the deepest level of the family, or whether it be within the church and through this type of fellowship uh, in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it? You are going to be struggling, as most of you are, to try to find that right thing in order that you might please someone or take care of your family in the way uh, that uh, you would love to do it. All of us have had those feelings, and we'll have them again, if it be the good Lord's will, and we continue to live, and our heart is beating the way that it ought to beat. You know, dear ones, I do. I, I too, think in terms of the church. I, I wish I knew what I could do to make the greatest contribution to you and to the church here as we represent the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I know of a gift that I could give, if you could call it a gift, or something that I could share with you is more meaningful and then if I had a million dollars and would give it to the church or would divide it with you, has the possibility of being more meaningful than that could ever possibly, could ever possibly be. Now, I want to talk to you. It's not going to be too inspirational, but from the logical facts of life, and present to you something of the realities of life that is, appears within this world and is certainly within the kingdom of God. I know no matter where you are in life, how young you are or how old you are, or what your disposition happens to be, or what your position in life, or what your circumstances happen to be, and that if you could but believe what has been written and read to you this morning, your life would be richer and fuller in a way that I could, that you would be unbelievable to you at this moment, if I could even tell you. Because I have knowledge of a way and a law of God that if acted upon can give to you the height and depth and width to your life, likes of which this world knows nothing about. The poor become richer, and the richer become more wealthy. Now, I am quite sure that, that you will say within your heart, and be careful, it's all right to say as long as you don't uh, get carried away with it, that the reason that he's saying this is in relation to the budget of our church for next year. Now, the only thing that, uh, that is qualifying this statement that I would qualify would be to say that this is the thing the budget next year gives me as we think about it, gives me the opportunity to share with you something that should be shared whether we have a budget or not, or whether we have any need at all within this particular church that you and I belong to. You see, the budget only represents the fertile field in which we can sow and reap for the kingdom of God. Now, I want to tell you something about that pledge card and what it represents. It represents, as it is aligned with the kingdom of God, 
It represents your ticket to a type of live, living with quality and depth to it that it only God can give. Now, the only reason why he doesn't give it and it will not be yours is because you do not see it properly. And for some reason that you do not respond to it the way that you ought to respond to it. But I want to tell you right now, that can be your ticket to fantastic living, whether you see it that way or not. It has all the possibilities of doing just that for you and for your life, because you see, this represents precisely what Paul was talking about. It represents precisely what these men, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, if you read Micah, you will find the very same thing being said. As you respond to God, what God will do. You find it here, Paul saying almost the same thing that Micah says, only in a different and uh, different words. Here is something that can make the difference in our life, regardless of where you are today. If you would respond to it now, look, think with me quickly now. Some of the concepts and reasons forgiving, and I have used them all in the past, and they're all good. But it was only a few years ago, comparative to my life, a few years ago that I discovered a truth. And I've been a Christian a long time. Now, because you don't believe what I'm telling you, doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that you don't have a part in the kingdom of God. You do have a part in the kingdom of God if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't, I'm not talking about salvation this morning. I'm talking about expanding your life and a law that says that you can expand it in this way. And it was only a few years ago that I discovered this great, awesome truth. One reason we used to use because it gives your church an opportunity to serve the Lord. We ought to give to the church. We ought to support it because it gives, uh, it gives your church an opportunity to expand the kingdom of God here. Well, that's a pretty good one, but it's not the best. Because the Bible teaches us that we ought to give a tithe of our income back to the Lord. We ought to give in relation to the way that God has blessed us, the Scripture says. Well, that's good enough. And then there are those uh, who have said, and I have alluded to it before, if you do not give to the kingdom of God uh, in this fashion, that uh, you will not find too much favor in his sight. Well, I don't know how valid that one is. And I would not ever use that one again. There's another one. And this is the one that I would have you to lodge within your own thinking and within your own mind. Give in relation to the desire and to the need that you find today within your life. That's it. Dear ones, that's the key to greatness. I haven't anything any better to give to you than that. I haven't any greater wisdom outside the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ about him being able to save your soul and be your your, your Savior and Lord. The next greatest thing that I could possibly share with you and all the wisdom I've been able to accumulate for the sake of your life and expansion of your life is tied up right there in those few words. You give. You give in relation and out of the need and desire of your own heart and your soul. Now there's not a farmer out here and those of us who come from farm background. This is a principle on which we, we know it is so common that we don't even think about it. But every, every farmer operates on that principle. I was told not too long ago by 
minister that has a church here between here and in Bargetown. And he said one of the men in his church decided this spring that he was going to give $1,500 to some special cause in the church. And he said the way he was going to uh, take care of this uh, $1,500 that he was going to set aside a field on his farm. And he was going to plant, I believe he said, with corn. Now, I'm not sure about this. I didn't pay that much attention. I should have. But he said, uh, the man said, I'm going to plant that field in corn, or it may have been wheat or something, I don't know. But he says, I'm going to sow that field, and then I am going to harvest it, and then I am going to give this money to, to the church. Well, the man did exactly what he said he was going to do, and it was more in keeping with $2,000 than it was the 1500 because the field brought forth more. Uh, than he had thought uh, that it was going to bring forth. Now we think about that farmer and we think in terms uh, of being a farmer that he's a wise person. That it's not because he was greedy and selfish that he wanted to sow more seed even if he wanted to consume it himself. It wasn't that. He's just a wise man to do that. He, he acts like a wise farmer. He knew that he had to sow X number of acres and X number of pounds of seed in order for him to be able to get the return that he needed to do the job in God's kingdom that he wanted to do. Now we say, well, that's, that's just so common. There's nothing inspiring about that. We have known that from our youth up. If you want to bring forth a harvest, we understand what Paul is saying. If you want to bring forth a harvest, you've got to sow something. I read some time ago within one of the trade magazines, I'm sure as you did, that uh, uh, some, uh, was it a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago, they sent a lot of uh, seed uh, corn and and wheat to South America because they were starving to death. And while they, it was be, to be treated, and it was treated with some kind of a chemical, the seeds were here in this country, that was poison. Uh, but it protected the seed from blight and some of the other things that they thought that it would be subject to and reproducing itself there. And so when they gave this, this, uh, uh, the seeds out to the people, they told the people, one, do not eat these seeds. These seeds, if you do, It'll kill you. And so they gave free to, to X number of families that were in great distress and great need to sow these seeds so that they could reap a harvest. You remember the article said that the people did not believe, many of the people did not believe what the authorities told them, and so they began to eat the seeds that were sent there to be sown. And those who did eat it, you remember, many of them died a slow and painful death. Some of them lived, but they only the rest of their days in a, in a limited way. But they were too uneducated and, and did not use wisdom in, in doing the thing that they were told to do. Keep these seeds and sow them and then reap a harvest and then you eat. And we say those people were so foolish to do such a thing to eat up their seeds that this country had produced the best that they had to send to them to bring forth the harvest. I wonder if you and I, you and I are, are any wiser than these people. Are we that foolish? Are we as foolish as they prove to be in the realm of the Spirit? Do you really believe what the Apostle Paul is saying? Do you really believe what the scripture tells us about our relationship to the kingdom and our responsibility to it and to ourselves? 
Now, friends, I do not know that I can say anything more profound than the next two or three statements I'm going to make to you. And the first one would be, consider these facts. Consider this. God is your source of wealth. God is your supplier. Now, you may think something else or someone else is your source of power and your source of strength and your supplier, but they're not. It is God. It is God and it's only God. It is God that is in charge of this world. It is his laws that it obeys and reacts to. And you are in the hand of this God. Now, some years ago, one of our professors in one of our schools came out with a statement that said, God is dead. And that made a lot of people mad. I remember talking to a layman, and he was talking about another layman that made so mad, just made him furious. He said, well, I don't know why he should be so mad. He's been living the last 20 years like God was dead anyway. Now, you know, when you look at your own life, and when you think about it, what would be the judgment that could be placed on your life? Are you living in a fashion to say that God is really alive and that you're in his hand and you belong to him? Or do you go about this business of living fearful, frightened, afraid, and live in such a way that instead of expanding your life, that you actually cut it down? He is the source of my, my strength, my, my wealth. He is my supplier of my ever need. And I am a steward in his kingdom. I am a keeper of his wealth. You might say, well, he hadn't given me much of his wealth to keep. <laughs> well, it's not God's fault. It's your fault. It is your fault. As you haven't responded to him as he intended for you to do. He says the intent of God for you and for me to have plenty. It is not the Father's will that any should be in need. It's not his intent. The intent of, of God is that you and I have plenty. Consider. He has brought you and me to this hour. He's permitted you to come to this hour. Now, some of you may not quite accept that, but it's a fact. I think by trying to escape God, you remember the psalmist said, if I make my bed in the other, for the most parts of the world, that he is there. Or if I make it in hell, he is still there. I, I think about the man who tried to escape death. Death came to him. You remember this story. And Thomas says, well, now I'm going to, I'm going to be talking to you tonight uh, about, your, about your soul. And so this man knew exactly what death was saying. So to get away from death, he jumped in a plane and, and went as far as the plane would take him. And after he got out of the plane, he found a camel and got on this camel and just went just as far as that camel could take him. And then when he got off the old camel, well, he... He began to run as far as he could. And then he slowed down and he had to, to walk. And he walked as far as he could. And by sundown, the darkness was coming. He, he comes up to, to a hill and there he was going to stay the night. And as he got on top of the hill, he saw death standing there. And death said to him, 
I begin to think you weren't going to make it. Now, you can't escape God. The Bible tells us you can't escape God. There's no, there's, there's no hymn, you know. We don't sing it anymore. There's no hiding place down here. There's no hiding place down here. You can't get away from God. Now, it's not that we want to get away from God. But for this hour and for this cause, we're here. And I want to tell you, dear ones, he's given to you an opportunity for the fullness of life. For the fullness of life, the likes of which I have been a witness to anywhere, any place. He's given it to you and to me today. He's given to you and to me a field in which to sow that your ever need can be taken care of. If there's ever a promised land for us to invest in, I believe that God has given it to you and to me simply because we have found favor in his sight. It's here. It's before us. It's around us. You're part of it. It is upon us. Now, what are you going to do? I would like to be as old Caleb was long ago. You remember of the 12 people who went into the promised land to spy it out? Caleb and Joshua were the only two after 40 years that were left to go into the promised land. And these two men were the one who brought back the favorable report. The other men said that couldn't be done, and we don't remember them. But we remember these two men. Remember after 40 years wandering in that wilderness to make it back to the promised land. And remember while standing there and talking to Joshua, and, and Joshua, uh, Caleb said to Joshua, because Joshua was the great leader now, taking over after Moses. And remember what old Caleb said to Joshua. And in fact, Joshua asked him, said, Now, Caleb, now what part of the promised land do you want? And you know, the very ones that struck fear and trembling in their heart that caused the other men to, to not to take the promised land 40 years before. You know what old Caleb said? He says, I've kept my spear in order. I've got my shield all shined up. He says, I want that place out there inhabited by the giants. I want that tribe that belonged to Enoch, the giants. I want that one. Oh, to God that we would be as courageous today as you and I come to our hour in our place in his kingdom to say that I am as well prepared today to lay hold of what God has given to me as I was years gone by. Today in God's kingdom, I am willing to act upon that which he has promised to me and to his people today. And my friend, I want to tell you something. I do not know of any law that is more exacting than the laws of God. I don't know any. <clears throat> Did I not read an article here the other day that, uh, is it Halley's Comet? One of these bodies out there that comes every 25 or 75 years is headed back in this direction. And I think it's supposed to be this time next year we're going to see it. Now, they can tell, you know, exactly where it's going to be, when it's going to be, and, and know 75 years from now, or 175 years from now, because they know the laws that govern this universe. Oh, would to God that you and I was as knowledgeable of God's law, and we are. But the only hesitation comes on our part is putting it into operation within your life, 
Now, I hope you have listened. You, you, you have been, you, you know that you've been good in God's kingdom. And then you know you've been gracious and kind to, to one another. And you have given to one another in a fashion of your, your care and your concern. Now, you, you, and also you know, you know the laws of God. And you know how exacting they really are. Jesus said that not one dot or tittle shall be removed from this law until I return. He's talking about the total law, not just some little specific law. Now, you know that. And you're so good to everybody else. Why don't you do yourself a favor and your family a favor? Why don't you do something this year for your sake? Out of the need of your own heart and your own soul. Out of the need that you have for your own family. Why don't you then avail yourself of this opportunity to sow the seeds today that this coming year will produce a harvest for you and for this church. Now, folk, I am talking ex- exactly what, what Paul was talking about, and he was talking about giving money. Now, knowing what you know, are you going to go about this business of living and think in terms of how little I can give? How few seeds I can sow? Well, I'd sow few seeds if I didn't have any needs, or if I didn't have any desire to help anybody else. That's what I'd do. But if I really wanted to be effective in God's kingdom, and I really wanted to live creatively and dynamically, if I really wanted to have something to share with someone else, I would do precisely and specifically what Paul has said here. I would sow those seeds. I would give. I would put God on the spot. I would call the Lord Jesus Christ to take note of what I've done so that he will be able to do simply what he said he would do. If we will do what we ought to do, he has said there are certain things that he will do. And dear ones, if you do not do, there are certain things that he's not going to do. That's the way the law is, and that's what he abides by. Now what are you going to do? Let me call it again to your attention. Be good to yourself and to your family. Look out. Look out to God. And then proceed to give as he has blessed you. Our Father, our Father, oh, help us to see something of the simplicity of the plan that you have made and given to each one of us today to be great this hour in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.